You're listening to episode 2.25 of the Midlife Improvement Project. And on this week's episode, I'm chatting with my friend and client, Dr. Whitney Young. Listen in to hear her incredible story of loss, grief, resilience, and living life on her own terms, even when it's messy. Let's go. Welcome to the Midlife Improvement Project, a podcast about what really matters as you negotiate midlife. Some might call this time of life a crisis, but I want to introduce you to the idea that it's an awakening. This is a time to listen to your soul, to find your purpose, to reflect on what you really want to do and be in the days you have left here on planet Earth, and then write your own midlife manifesto. You are not less of yourself on the other side of midlife. You are more. This is a time to be celebrated, not tolerated. I'm your midlife wake-up coach, Dr. Peggy Malone. I'm a healthcare provider turned life coach who helps women in midlife lean into the magic of being a woman as we head into the second half. I help you decide where you want to go next with this one precious life and really claim all of your big dreams and goals while caring less about what anyone else thinks about it. After all, if someone is going to be unhappy with your life, it shouldn't be you. In a few short months, I will turn 50. And as I head toward this milestone birthday, I want to use this podcast as my midlife manifesto. There will be no fading into the background and quietly living out my golden years with the assumption that my best years are behind me over here. I'm just getting started. I invite you to come with me. Listen in each week as I help you to wake up to what's possible for you in midlife as you learn to manage your mind, get curious about what got you here, and get clear about where you want to go next on the way to being an even better you. Let's get after it. Well, hello, everybody. Dr. Whitney Young, ND, is the co-owner of Rooted Naturopathic Clinic and Ivy Lounge in Barrie, Ontario, and she is also a resilient speaker. Whitney's story is a reminder that living life on your own terms is essential. Prepare your hearts, friends. In 2015, her husband, Steve, died suddenly, leaving her with two young children to raise on her own. In 2019, she remarried a widower named Tim, but was sadly widowed again after only two short years of marriage. Through her own grief journey, she has truly learned about resilience, community, and choosing a life you love. Whitney is a client and a friend. I've known her since we both worked at summer camp back in the late 90s and early 2000s. I'm very excited that she is here today to share some of her amazing self with me and all of you. Hi, Whitney. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Hi, Peggy. Thanks so much for being here. I'm so excited you're here. It's nice for me to get my eyeballs on you, even through a computer screen. And uh, hopefully my listeners will find some magic from your voice. Why don't we jump right in? Um, I've given a little bit of an intro here. Why don't you share a little bit about your story and about what you do? Sure. I am a naturopathic doctor in Barrie, Ontario. And I was always interested in working with kids. So that's kind of where I've landed now. When I was going to college in Toronto, um, I was riding the subway once in a while. And that's where I happened to meet my husband. I feel like it should be part of a like a romantic comedy movie or something. <laughs> he Tell was us more the- about that, because I think this story is like a really lovely lead in to like the love story of you and your husband. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I mean, I was doing the online dating and not meeting the guy of my dreams. And then I gave up on that. And, um, 
there was this really cute subway driver with these sparkly blue eyes and all my friends, because he drove the, the subway near our school, all my friends knew who he, who he was too. Uh, and then we just started, we, you know, we locked eyes and then we started talking and it took months and months of these like six minute subway rides. And then he finally asked for my number. And I remember taking him to a party at, at first and a student comes up, she's like, oh my God, is that the subway driver? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> like, yes, it is. <laughs> so, oh yeah. So Steve and I moved north, uh, bought a little house near the lake, got married, uh, had two little beautiful daughters. And that was the beginning of our, well, and then the end happened soon after that. All right. Do you want to share a little bit about that with the listeners? Yes. So after it was after my second was born, just three months after he died suddenly of a heart attack. Um, there was no warning. Uh, it was a beautiful sa- Sunday in September, and that was it. Uh, so the girls were three months old, and the other one was two and a half. And suddenly, my life was thrown a huge curveball, and it was pretty terrible. Yeah. 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 Understatement. Do you want to just share the rest of the story now so that we can like basically move forward from like all the terrible? Yeah. (laughs) Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, So yeah, the girls and I, uh, with the help of my parents, were got back on our feet. And about two years after I after I lost Steve, I met Tim. Uh, he was a widower, and we met at Soaring Spirits Camp Widow. It's a conference for widowed people. So he was an American and had three kids and had been widowed, similar time frame as me. So that's where our kind of love story started. And um, I was at a different stage in my life. So he was a different man, but also, you know, amazing. And my heart grew so I could love two people. Uh, and it was so lovely that we could respect each other's past as well. Um, through the, you know, and our marriage was through the pandemic and on two different sides of the border because he was in America. So there was a lot of drama there. But through all that, we stayed together. And then unfortunately kind of his worst fear my worst nightmare happened and he also passed away suddenly in uh november 2021 um of a heart attack as well and so then you know when people say lightnings does lightning strike twice well for me it did and that is extremely uncommon and but here i am a year and a half after that so getting stronger and you know i feel like if this has happened for a reason then at least i can share you know my journey and help inspire a few others to pick themselves up after crappy stuff happens yes indeed i often share on the podcast that life is 50 50 and i think you've heard me say this it's 50 percent amazing and 50 percent crap and none of us are immune to the crap but it seems like for whatever reason, you've been dealt like a heaping share more than anyone deserves or needs. Um, and you've been through a lot of loss. What mm-hmm. helped you at the beginning after you lost your first husband? 
At the beginning, it was more like it was a fog. So it was just going through the motions and 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 definitely like quicksand. So that piece of it, when I look back, it was the consistency got me through. It was the consistency of getting up the same time every day, going to bed, moving, you know, moving my body. I actually did move, but that's a side story. Um, (laughs) um, Depending on a few close friends and family that my energy could support. I couldn't see all the people in the world, even though everyone was sending me their love. So that consistency, um, I remember at the very beginning, my family flooded to me and, you know, were there for me, but all of a sudden the house was way too loud. It was overwhelming, um, for me and the girls, my babies. So like, okay, we need to have, you know, they need to go to bed at the same time. They need to go to their daycare and we need that consistency. And that's kind of the first piece of recovery, I think. Okay. And again, like, as you said, lightning strikes twice. Was there anything that from the first strike of lightning that transferred to the second strike that allowed you to manage it with anything that, I don't even know how to ask it. I don't think anyone knows how to ask it. Like what helped in the second one compared to the first one or. Yeah. 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 No, it's a great question because I mean, two sides of the coin is after Tim died I was like oh great like not great like sarcastically great um I know how to do this like uh and I don't want to do this like I know how terrible it was I don't want to do it mm-hmm. however I grief the second time was different it was uh, I was a different person I had I wasn't postpartum I had different resources um you know one in particular I remember my sister sitting beside me I was creating on my phone a songs to cry playlist of more, you know, recent songs. And she's like, I'm so glad you know what to do, but I'm so sad that you have to know this to do. Like, mm-hmm. um, so that particular, particularly like my songs to cry playlist was, it's when I need to release those emotions that feel kind of bubbling up and they're coming out in anger or you know, they're on the verge when I just need a good cry. That's been a tool that I'm like, oh, I remember that worked before. Let's do that again. <laughs> For instance. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard it, but I did a previous episode after my sister passed away and it was called personal growth through grief. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you've had personal growth through this experience? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So do you want to share anything else about that? Like one of the questions we often ask in coaching is how is this happening for me? Was that a question that you can ask? Is that a question that helps you at all? I think when I heard you ask that question on your podcast at first, where I was like a number of months ago that I didn't like it. Like, this is not happening for me. No, thank you. (laughs) Um, However, I can definitely, I've learned different skills. Like, as a practitioner now, I have tons of empathy for people who've gone through loss because I didn't quite get it before. Um, or people struggling with depression or overeating, like I get it. Like you just don't care and you want to eat the bag of chips. Like a hundred percent, I get it. Um, and then I also get perspective of, I think now it's my search for joy, 
and a like a a life that I love is even more um I have even more motivation because life is short and these guys keep showing me that. <laughs> you want to grab onto the juice of life because you know what like what when you go back to the life is 50-50, lean into the joy when it's scrappy, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Live the hell out of life. Like just love deeply, live fiercely, just go for it because we know it. Some of it's crappy. Yeah. Some of it is. Yes. Um, <laughs> you mentioned um, your, uh, your job as a naturopathic doctor and you've worked with a lot of women in midlife and a lot of women in midlife are listening to this podcast. What have you noticed about those women over the years? Notice that they come into the office and they've put themselves last on the list of priorities for many years. Um, job, partner, kids, they all came first. And then they'd come in and like, okay, I'm finally ready to help myself. Like, like, like they had to pack away everything else. Everyone else seemed stable. And then they came in. But life is always chaotic. So what I really would love to tell all the, you know, women in midlife is just, you need to start on yourself now or, you know, yesterday, but <laughs> no guilt. Um, but that's, that was the biggest thing I noticed. Yeah. Well, the, the metaphor I often use and everybody's heard it, if you've been in the personal growth circles at all is on the airplane, they tell you to put on your oxygen mask first before you help other humans. And every single woman that I've ever met at this time of life has forgotten that rule. They're taking mm -hmm. care of everybody else and then they're not getting the oxygen they need for their own well-being. So um, it's worth a reminder, even though it, it seems trite to, to yeah. come back to this overused metaphor, but it's it's real. Yeah. Well, I noticed that I was not so after Steve passed, and I think it was maybe five months in, I noticed I wasn't being the person I wanted to be. Like I was yelling at the kids a lot, I was short-tempered, I was tired, I was sick a lot. And then I was just like, I'm sick of being sick. And I I knew that things had to change. And I, I was in therapy already and she started to gently point things out about my my wellness routines. I'm like, okay, yeah, I could uh, <laughs> cut back there and sleep more. Yeah, you're right, but I needed to. And when I'm happier, they're happier for sure, 100%. Um, I love hearing this story in that um, I've talked about habits and routines and consistency for over 200 episodes on this podcast. Mm -hmm. And those are the things that helped you to heal after this terrible thing that happened twice to you. Yeah, it's the first it's the first thing that has to be has to be done. And, you know, I started I'd also book in massages. So that physical touch was really important after loss because you didn't have your person anymore to to hug. So that was important. Yeah. My regular therapy. And, and then once you've got more energy, then you can kind of move into that second phase of the community. So finding people who get it, who are like you. So finding, you know, coaches like you finding other widowed people. So I could talk to people who are like, yeah, I get it. I mean, at the beginning, I reached out a little bit for that community aspect, but I also didn't have energy for a lot of it. Okay. You mentioned sort of the second stage, and I think maybe this is leading into your three stages, starting in rock bottom and moving towards resilience. Is that what you mean when you say moving mm -hmm. into the second stage? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? So the three stages of rock bottom to resilient? Yes, I've found 
over my experience, um, they kind of group into three categories is one is the consistency that we started at the beginning and then the community. And then the last one was then the creativity. So that last piece is then we can get, ex you know, we have the energy, we have the support systems, then we can get creative about our life and how we're going to rebuild and redefine and re-identify who we are. Um, but that middle piece, that community also includes maybe a naturopathic doctor, maybe I need help with my sleep or my energy. So I'm going to take some vitamins or herbs, um, could include your therapist, coaches, you know, anything, any other kind of teammates, but then also great friends, like who can you rely on and maybe who is not as helpful that needs to be, <laughs> uh, you know, shimmied out of our lives a little bit. Well, yeah, it like allows you to create boundaries in a hurry around what's important and who's important, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's come back a little bit to talk a bit more about women in midlife, because I think this applies to part of your story. Many women in midlife are struggling with caring for both aging parents, as well as potentially young children, or at the very least teenagers at the same time. So you've had some experience with this. Can you share a little bit more about that and what helped um, when you were navigating that challenging time, because obviously you had extra challenges associated with other loss, but even without those, you've experienced this. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, when Steve and I got married, his mom was starting to decline a bit mentally. And, and then we did find out it was a, it was a dementia of sorts. So she then declined very quickly. We moved her to, to Barry where we were and and then, you know, right around the time that my first was born. So Steve, I remember he would visit, he would take Jillian because he was due paternity leave. He would take her and then go visit his mom every day at, at the uh, long-term facility. And that was their like routine. And I mean, she brought joy to, to grandma, which was lovely. And, and to all the other residents, um, sure, but it was... Yeah. Yeah, it was so stressful, right? Just being stretched both sides, you know, wanting to care for this elderly family member as well as our younger person, um, our child. I think the biggest thing for us, and I've I've seen it as well as, you know, patients coming in as burnt out caregivers for their parents. Um, again, those boundaries, like healthy boundaries of of you can't do all the things for your parent um you know one particular patient she was driving you know hours every weekend to see her father and he didn't really recognize her and it was just weighing so heavily in her heart and I'm like what are you doing for your you know where's the balance of you she had to cut back on how often she was going so I think that was true for our family as well as that creating that balance so that we still made our, our family time priority and then making peace with um, whatever that routine was of how often we were spending time with grandma. Yeah, it's interesting. And I, I don't think it's a surprise that all of this comes back to consistency, which is your first stage, right? So you talked about consistency, then you talked about community, which I think is probably involved here as well, and then creativity. So that's where you're getting to resilience. But is there anything else or is there another way that you would define resilience? What does resilience mean to you? I think resilience is no, ma no matter what being okay. Like I, 
And I echo what you say now is like life is, you know, 50% crappy, like things are going to happen. So what I want to do is prepare, you know, help prepare people, moms, whoever, um, like we know life's going to be crappy. So what can we do to prepare ourselves and enjoy the moment and enjoy the messy life anyway? Um, I work with a lot of young moms or new moms and they want their babies to be perfect. And there's a lot of anxiety about it going not perfectly. Um, so, you know, I say to them, you're going to screw up your baby. Like we're going <laughs> to, they're going to be a therapy about something. We're just doing our best. Uh, you know, <laughs> so part of resilience is recognizing that. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. A question I often will, um, ask clients in when they're in situations like that is what if it's okay that it's not perfect? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. which I think probably is very similar to your message of like, life is messy. Like let's enjoy it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And there are, yeah, there's resiliency tools and there's resiliency scales and things that you can do, but the, I mean, support system, knowing what you love. I mean, all of these things, the whole three C's got to build a sense and a state of resilience so that no matter what, you're going to be okay. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Um, (laughs) When you're, when you're talking about those three C's, um, especially when people get into sort of the third C, the creativity, what advice would you give to women about creating a life that you love? Mm. At first it's try all the things. Like whenever you feel that your little intuition or whisper of like, oh, that sounds cool. Why don't like, just try it. See if you like it. Give it a shot. That's my kind of like first advice is so I took up painting and, you know, I never thought I was artistic. Actually, in grade eight, my art teacher, like, ignored me completely and, like, fawned over all the other artsy students. I'm like, well, I must be crappy. So <laughs> <laughs> not an artist. So I gave it up for, like, 20, 30 years. Well, and didn't you recently go on a trip to Chicago to do some art or to, like, to do, how did, how did, what exactly was involved when you went? Yeah, I was like. I went, I just decided I want an art retreat. Like I'm not a fancy artist, but um, yeah, I found a two day live nude model drawing workshop in Chicago and just took myself there by myself. And it was amazing. Oh my goodness. I love it. And I love this for you. Is there anything else that you've um, sort of jumped into or you were like, oh, this sounds crazy, but I'm going to do this. Is there anything else that helped you to be more creative in this part of your journey? Well, um, I tried some art therapy with a counselor. I've done jazz class, you know, <laughs> old lady jazz class. I know you do old lady gymnastics. So yeah. yes, I yes. do. <laughs> so I do dance. Um, what else have I done? Not just speaking and podcasting like this like just go for it right and also I heard a rumor and saw something on the socials about how you got yourself some podcasting equipment that's something that's creative that you're going to be jumping into yeah yes I'm very excited let me talk about on your podcast Whitney tell us everything all right yeah I've been thinking about this for a couple years and like that's it we're doing it um the name is something like love your messy life and I'd love to just talk about like how life is real and and then each episode I'd like to keep around 20 minutes so you know snack size bite size of 
advice, stories, things I've been through, some science about resilience, and really just let it be tangible and actionable for, for women. I love it. I'm so excited to listen. Thank you'll, you. You'll have to let me know when it's happening and I will share on the socials with my listeners or on a future episode of this podcast. Lovely. I will. Thank um, you. You're welcome. I mentioned at the beginning of the interview that you are a coaching client of mine. Can you share with my listeners how coaching has benefited you? Yes. Um, I remember listening to, I think I like binge listened all your episodes when I was in Chicago. I was walking the streets and like Peggy's in my ear. I'm like, yes, I just need this energy. <laughs> um, I had been doing a lot of counseling and it was really good at the beginning. And then I felt like I just needed more forward momentum in my life. And I was ready for that. So working with you, definitely, I see like a ton more progress in the the things I want to do in my life. Like we're just moving in a moving, actually moving and not like standing still and stuck uh, forever. So it's been really awesome. Like just the positivity and, and really getting excited about my goals and where I'm going has been awesome working with you. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. I love it. And you're just getting started. Yeah. So exciting. <laughs> so many fun things to go. All right. Um, you have a little gift for people called the Supermom Survival Guide. So can you tell us a little bit more about what that is exactly and where can they find it and who does it benefit? Yes. So I wrote this back in in the pandemic when things were pretty terrible for a lot of people. We were all at home and we were trying to survive. So the survival guide, it was literally for we were trying to survive being at home and the uncertainty of all the things. So I still believe this applies in our lives now because there's so much anxiety and burnout. Um, and though it says moms, um, I believe it's for any woman really. And it's a guide. So it's, it's a few pages of my top three pieces of wisdom or things that I recommend we do to get back on track after burnout or when we're rock bottom and you can get it on my website. So drwhitneyyoung.com. All right. Awesome. And I will include links to that in the show notes for anybody who is driving or you can't write that down right now. Um, and that said, where can people find out more about you in general, or where can they come and say hello to you online or on the socials? Yes. I'm mostly on Instagram. So at Dr. Whitney Young. And I've got a lot of just, I'm in transition right now. I'm a clinic owner and see babies, but I'm really excited about moving into this resilient speaking uh, arena and podcasting. So I love to hear, yeah, come check me out there and watch to see what I'm doing where, where while things evolve over the next while. I'm sure everybody will be very pumped to watch you as you, uh, as you grow and evolve and do all the fun things. And um, Whitney, thank you so much for being here and sharing your story. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And that's it for this episode of the Midlife Improvement Project. Thank you so much to my guest, Dr. Whitney Young, for sharing her story and her optimism as she continues to work on living her best life, even when it's messy. Remember that life is 50-50 and that all of us will experience the crappy 50 at some point. 
Learning to be resilient through life's ups and downs is something that will be important to all of us to live our best lives. Surround yourself with a community of people that will help you navigate life's challenges and lean into the joy of the amazing 50% of life when it is in front of you. If you get the feeling that I might be your coach and you are interested in learning more about me and my work and perhaps how we could work together, especially as you navigate the challenges and adventures of midlife, come visit me at drpeggymalone.com forward slash coach and sign up for a free 60 minute consult where we can help you get clear on where you are, where you want to go and how to get you there. Also, I'd love it if you would come and hang out with me on Instagram. You can find me there at drpeggymalone. As usual, you'll find all of the resources and links that were mentioned during today's show in the show notes at drpeggymalone.com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed today's show and you don't want to ever miss an episode, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you usually listen. If you haven't already, I would really appreciate it if you would leave a rating and review to let me know what you think of the show and to help others find the Midlife Improvement Project. Until next time, my friends, stay focused and get after it. Thank you.